Podcast Studios. This, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of After 9. We are here and ready to go with really just a couple of things on our mind. But before we get to interest rates and Paul Bernardo, happy birthday, Kat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Were you spoiled on the weekend? I, I guess was. it's a little difficult with a Monday birthday to plan a rage. Yeah, I know. A couple of people around the office already asked me, like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, sleeping like <laughs> what is there to do tonight what, on a monday night i don't know uh but that's okay it's not a milestone or anything crazy like that so i'm okay with that it's it's uh it was a nice weekend it was very low-key um saw some family went out uh to the movies yesterday and movies and dinner so it was nice very good you saw fast i saw fast 10 finally um and yeah it was crazy like just stupid ridiculous like not, not realistic at all just the way i like it just dumb just up some cameos in there i didn't know were gonna be in there too because i'd heard about some of them but uh yeah it was it was it was all right. It's set, definitely setting up for many more movies. I have a feeling like they're saying there's another. We know that there's another one. That it was a to be continued kind of scenario. Uh huh. There's probably going to be three. Three. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I think so. Well, why would they stop? It makes a well, lot of money. Honestly, like that's the thing is like you tell someone to stop, like knock it off already. But I'm sorry, but if you were cashing like ten million dollar paychecks a movie, if not more, I think Vin makes close to twenty million a movie. You'd fucking do it too. Don't you'd, lie. You'd do it three times a year. You would give a shit. <laughs> do it as many times as they let me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> So don't say that shit. I told you guys before the weekend, and I know that some people saw it on my Instagram, I had a private chef experience on the weekend, and and it was really good. This was because we were celebrating my in-laws' 50th wedding anniversary, and and we could have gone out and done dinner and all that sort of stuff, but we decided, you know what, let's have a nice personal intimate dinner at the house. We'll bring chefs in, and I got to tell you, I was amazed at how much they bring. It was like they were moving in at one point because they bring their their pots, their pans. They bring wow. their own seasoning. It's not even like they asked to borrow a salt and pepper shaker. They bring their own. Well, and in all fairness, when you're a chef, it matters what you're putting in the food. They don't want to take just anybody's seasonings who have been in that cupboard for like three years. So that's good. I, I, you want top quality, you want fresh, and they want you to have that too. They washed the dishes afterwards to the point where there was zero that needed to be done in the kitchen. They even packed up the leftovers for us. It was unbelievable. So the next time you're having a party, uh, consider hiring a personal chef to come into the house. There's tons of them out there that do it. And uh, it really is a neat experience, especially to watch the technique and the way they do things. Ah, fun night. Okay, let's get to the big story. I think that a lot of people raised an eyebrow at this weekend, and then we're going to give you a slightly different perspective. Here's the story. The lawyer representing the families of Paul Bernardo's murder victims is calling for the killer's immediate return to his maximum security prison. Tim Danson is the lawyer. He's also demanding Correctional Services of Canada be more transparent about what led to Bernardo's recent transfer to a medium security facility in Quebec. Danson represents the relatives of Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey, who were murdered back in the early 90s. Danson was informed last week Bernardo had been transferred out of Millhaven in Kingston. He says it's unacceptable that the Correctional Services of Canada refused to explain the move, citing... Bernardo's right to privacy. First off, I think I speak for everybody when I say fuck Paul Bernardo. Sure. I don't think he should have any rights, to be perfectly sure. honest with you. Sure. But you have a slightly different perspective on this. Tell us what you've learned. Well, it's it's not even myself personally that I have a different perspective. I mean, I was the same as most people who heard that story and went, that guy should get nothing nice. No nice things. In fact, I'm still of the mindset of, I wish we had the death penalty in certain cases. 
Paul Bernardo would be one of those cases. However, we don't live in that country. We, Canada, we don't have that here. So that said, um, a friend of mine is uh, has been a prison guard and has worked uh, outside the exact gates of, of Paul Bernardo in a cell. So I went to this person for some information and I did get it and, and maybe it will enlighten others. So it's kind of long, bear with me here, but I'm going to read some of this. One thing that has always annoyed me is people's perception of the Canadian prison systems. We like to think highly of ourselves for having humane prison systems because we have a reformative justice system. It's a system that's supposed to help offenders reform, whether you like it or not, because I'm, I'm with most people who might be thinking like some people F them. They need to become better people so they're not a threat and can become a productive member of society again. Correctional Service Canada, CSC, has institutional parole offers whose sole officers whose sole purpose is to ensure the offenders get specialized therapy, programming, and even job training while they are incarcerated. All of this is designed to prepare them for their eventual release back into the public. If an offender completes the necessary programming and has not been involved in a violent incident in five years or more, that's when they become eligible for consideration to be moved to a lower security prison. Okay, so everyone understands that that's obviously what happened. Bernardo must have accomplished both of these in order to get the transfer. But whenever someone is directly and sometimes indirectly affected by the crime committed, of course, and all of us, I feel like, are, are affected by this in one way or another. We were all victimized you know by I mean? that in a some way. Even if you weren't alive at the time, if you hear the story, you just go, oh my God, what a monster, right? The people assume, we assume sometimes we have a punitive justice system. We don't, and we haven't for several decades. And I know for some people, you just don't like it. I totally understand. But the truth is, and here's the facts here that he was giving me. The truth is 98% of all Canadian offenders and 80% of American, which should tell you something about America's love for prisons, will be back on the street someday. Did you hear that again? 98% of all Canadian offenders will be back on the street someday. A reformative justice system helps them stay out of prison and to be as little of a threat to society as possible. If you ever see an offender, and this is where it comes in, Bernardo comes in, get released from a maximum... The likelihood of that person returning to prison for committing another crime is higher. Now, that's not the case here. He's moving to uh, medium security. Then the differences between the medium and maximum is different. As long as he's in a medium or maximum security prison, there will always be walls, fences, armed officers that will protect the public from any escape attempts. In fact, the only escapes from a CSC prison in the past decade or two have been from minimum security prisons. That's when we can start to really get afraid if he moves to minimum, right? Or, or ask questions. Aside from that, what he was essentially telling me is medium is still very, very, uh, they're, they're very similar. Um, and there's still the walls, like I mentioned, there's still lockup. Uh, Bernardo isn't the most dangerous and not the most violent offender that's even in the Canadian system. But of course he has a name. Why release him? It's not going to happen that he'll release him now, he adds, because I said, is there any possibility that since he's moved to medium, would he move to a minimum and then eventually be released? Highly unlikely, he says. A lot of programs and therapy is unavailable in maximum security prisons um, and more likely readily available in medium and minimum. He still needs a ton of programming and therapy. So he's not even at that level to approach where he's anywhere close to leaving because I think that's people's fear. In order for him to get it, he'll need to be in a medium security prison. So now essentially he's taking the next step. He went from being locked up, you get nothing, you get no treatment, you get no therapy, zero zero he's had to we're finally going to give you the opportunity to get therapy doesn't mean he's going to be released no so all of that said i think it might calm people's nerves perhaps to know that information why people are, i mean you could look it up anyone can look this up this information is googleable 
but people just assume the worst. So I tell you, as someone who fucking hates Paul Bernardo, that you don't need to worry that this means he's going to get fucking tea parties and shit. He's not. This just gives him the ability to get therapy and anyone else in medium. It doesn't mean he's going to be released anytime soon. So wait a second. They don't have therapy in maximum security prisons? Is he, that it? it? Yeah. This Yes. That's what I'm getting from this. Unless I'm reading that wrong, that is what I'm getting from that. Yes. I find it more an optics issue than anything else. I have no fear whatsoever that Paul Bernardo is going to escape from prison. In fact, it would probably be a best case scenario for all of us yeah. if he did, because as soon as people figure out where he is, he's going to have a lineup of people that are ready to kill him. Sure. A lineup. Yeah. And he likely does in jail as well. And whether it's maximum security, medium security, they still have to protect him from other inmates and presumably from himself as well. Sure. I don't know what state of mind he's in, but Jeffrey Epstein killed himself in jail, if you believe that, after a few weeks. I'm sure that Paul Bernardo, after all these years, must have contemplated it at some point. One thing that I will actually ask and follow up on is what about the other inmates? You just you just brought that to my attention. So we know that it's not like he's going to escape. Does it give other people more access to him inside the prison? Well, that's uh, what I'm wondering. Before now, he's isolated. Just so everyone sees, he's essentially isolated. I know in Kingston Pen, he was very, very isolated when he was there, but it's been years since he was moved out of Kingston Pen. I think he's isolated, and I'm not sure. I don't think he's just going to be with Gen Pop. I'm not sure. Again, I don't know much about it. That's why I go to sources that do, but I can find that out. And if you guys want to know anything else, I can ask. And I obviously have to keep this person anonymous because they work in the prison system. Hmm. It's also an optics issue for me. I get that maybe he's entitled to whatever resources are available to him in medium security, and that's fine. But I don't think any of us wants to think that he has rights. And, and right. all Canadians are created equal. Some of us lose the ability to have certain rights, though, when we create or commit such heinous crimes. You do have to be stripped of your rights, including your right to freedom. That's why you're incarcerated. And I think that there's a lot of people who took a little bit of solace in thinking that some justice was being done in that this guy was in a maximum security facility. And when they hear something like he's been moved to a medium security prison, that instantly raises a red flag. I have to think that if you're in jail, you would prefer to be in a medium security facility than a maximum. And I think there's just a lot of people out there that have zero interest in that guy getting any accommodation, that guy getting any perks, any benefits, nothing, because he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, and I understand that. I mean, I'm with you. Again, I wish our system wasn't that way, but this is the one that we have to deal with. I don't know if, if it'll ever change. Well, you know, they're going to, well, they have now, sort of, introduced some bail reforms, and, and that's good. I'm glad we're finally talking about bail, because it really was a catch-and-release policy. You'd come in, you'd go in front of a judge, you'd be granted bail, you were back out on the streets being a shithead 24 hours later. They're finally going to try and address that, and it all came from backlash from the public. The public had had enough, public safety was in jeopardy, and now they're finally doing it. Maybe it's time to put the whole justice system up on the hoist and see what we can do. We've got this reformatory system that you mentioned during uh, when you were reading that letter. And I mean, that's all well and good. But is it even in the public's interest to try and reform Paul fucking Bernardo? Well, that's, or should we just let yeah. the piece of shit rot? Right. I, I, I kind of right. think we should. Hey, are you entitled to an education in jail? Uh, maybe you are, but you don't get it. Are you entitled to a steak dinner once a month? Sure. But you don't get it. You don't get any of that shit. There's too many people mm -hmm. whose lives were destroyed 
because of what he did. And and I mean, and he also brings up a good point in that there's other more violent, believe it or not, even though this was high profile, but there are other more violent offenders. They just happen to have not as, as sensational of a story and the story that resonated with so many people that are in there that are getting that right now, that are getting that therapy. I wonder if that makes people upset. I don't know. What will it take to change it though, Scott? I mean, pfft. I don't think it'll happen in our lifetime. It'll take a government with the will to do it. And right now there's not a will to do it because we can all sleep well at night knowing we're doing the hard work to reform these criminals. Well, I'm sorry, but some of them aren't worth reforming. And I'm going to put Paul Bernardo up as an example of someone that's probably not worth reforming. He will never, ever see the light of day again. I don't think so. And I'm glad about that. I don't think so. Yeah. So that's the thing. If that's the fear for you when you read that headline over the weekend, put that fear out of your mind because that's not what the story is. What do you suppose goes through the the minds of like Debbie Mahaffey and, and the family of Kristen oh, French God, when can't. they hear that this guy is getting any anything sort of accommodation? Yeah. I know you can't you don't know until you're in that position, but I can imagine frustration's this the smallest word that I could use. You know what I mean? There's there's anger, there's there's um no I don't know. I I at the certain point I would probably have to move out of the country that allowed anything <laughs> like like allowed him to stay alive even you know what I mean I, I know that's that's probably sounds harsh to some people but I am a, f- a fan of the death penalty in some cases this would be one of them for me hey you know what else I'd be okay with though let him go let him go oh god it'd be like the hunger games <laughs> I'm thinking a modern day fully sanctioned and even if it would probably only take like 10-15 minutes for somebody to take care of it but just like a modern day purge yeah let him go and let's let society tell you what they think of him. I'm pretty sure you're going to find out pretty quick how Canadians feel about Paul Bernardo. Well, again, I'm going to figure out if if there's more in inmate to inmate contact in this medium cuz something tells me if there is, he should be afraid inside the walls, not just outside the walls. What's he like as a prisoner? Oh. I, I've heard that he's a very good prisoner, mm-hmm. like he's yep. good behavior and all that yep. sort of shit. But I would also hate to think that there's people being nice to this sack of shit. This is a man that was very manipulative when he was free. And this is a man who attempts to be very manipulative while he's behind bars. Very friendly, wants to get to know you, works his little like, magic on you. Charming is actually the word that was used, charming. I've heard that too. Yeah. There's not people that are supposed to be guarding him that are like feeling sorry for him and slip him a Kit Kat here and there oh, I, or something like that. If I find that out. I not mean, that I know of. Not, I never. I didn't ask. I'm, I'm happy to ask the questions, but I don't. You could, do you know how much trouble you would get in for doing anything for a prisoner? Even a minimum, you can't, you're not supposed to do that. It's just such an intimate thing, right? I mean, the guards who are assigned to that maximum security, nobody can get near this cell because that's the cell that Paul Bernardo's in and we're worried someone's going to kill him in jail. That was a well-guarded cell and he no doubt had a lot of time with certain guards. I, I just hope that nothing in a day makes that man smile. I hope there's nothing that makes him think, oh, life's getting better or life's good or things are turning around. And unfortunately, that might be the message that was sent in moving him to medium security. Having said that, I'm also curious to hear the reason why. Is it really just about other options? Are we overcrowded? Is it logistically better to have him in Quebec where they're closer to, I don't know, some joint task force that can protect him if the jail gets stormed? I don't know the other reasons behind it. Well, again, he had to have passed those two things that I mentioned, right? Those two obviously were the case. He didn't commit any violent anything in five years plus there's a couple things that he had to do. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, I mean, there's rights. He doesn't matter what your name is. If you pass certain things, then they're allowed. Does, it probably has nothing to do with logistics and everything to do with 
I don't know. We got to do it. He's next on the list, maybe. I don't really know. Hmm. Um, let's talk about interest rates for a second, because I think that this is the biggest story that gets absolutely no attention paid to it. I wonder why that is, too. Maybe we can delve into that after you do this. I would love to, because yeah. I have some theories. Okay. 88% of Canada's leading economists predict the Bank of Canada is going to leave interest rates unchanged on Wednesday. Wednesday is our next interest rate announcement. And that's good because we'd heard some great news, sorry, horrible news, sorry, probably a lie last week from StatsCan that the economy is so hot right now, we went up 3%, a 3% increase to our economy, 3.1 to be exact. And then the Bank of Canada hears stuff like that and hears, oh, well, we were trying to suit, uh, ruin the economy and, and bring interest or bring inflation down. And, and now we're going to have to raise interest rates again. I don't for a second believe that. I think this is a bit of a misinformation campaign. And the campaign is very simple on its surface. Send out all these signals that the economy's doing great and that gives the Bank of Canada the cover they need to raise rates because they're going to raise them. They already know how high it's going to go. They already know how many people are going to lose their home via foreclosure or have to sell or whatever. They already know all this and they're doing mm -hmm. it anyway. And the only way they could do it without being called complete uncivilized assholes is if they have information from StatsCan or whomever that says the economy's doing great. But of course, we're all human beings. We all have eyes and hands and a nose and ears. We can all see with our five senses that this is not going well. How on earth? I thought we were in a recession at this time last year. How on earth can they continue to deny that we're in a recession yeah. and still play this game? Ooh, we might go into a recession. In fact, I've got to stand on that. 67% of Canada's leading economists believe Canada will go into a recession between now and 2025. Yeah. I just don't know what they're seeing that we're not because anybody who's a member of the middle class or lower is struggling. Every single one of them. And even the ones mm -hmm. whose interest rates so far on their mortgage haven't been affected. They will. They're coming. They will. Everybody renews mm -hmm. within five years and your time is coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spoke not long ago to my mortgage broker about a couple of things, but that's one of the things that I asked him about was, what are you seeing? What's happening now? And it's not good. No. And, and it does beg the question is why, I feel like nobody is talking. I mean, we've been talking about it. We are. But I, I feel like it's not everywhere. Like it, there's no open discussion. You see people suffering. I mean, you see it in small doses. That's what I see anyway. To me, I see in small doses. I see people on Facebook groups saying, I can't afford my place anymore. Um, I know for landlords, I, I know somebody who has to raise the price of their place because literally with the interest rate, they're not making money on their place anymore and they feel horrible, but they have to raise the rate. And that sucks. I mean, yep. that's a shitty thing to do. You feel like an asshole, but otherwise you're in the red every single month when you're renting to someone for an obscene amount of money. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to be in the red if you don't ask for a little bit more. So he's seen that. He's seen people, a ton of people remortgaging. Yep. A ton. He said he'd never seen it in this many years. Like in many, many years, he's never seen as many in the last year say, I need to remortgage when we do renew because I can't afford this. And they were close to, so close. You know what I mean? They might have been five years or 10 years away. And that's, you know, close for some people. And, and nope, I'm going to have to remortgage now for 20 because this is insane. Yeah. The cost, and that sucks. It does suck. But why is nobody but talking I know, about we that? We don't know the answer. Like, well, I don't know. Do you have any theories? Yeah. It's a massive misinformation campaign. And and 
I don't know if it's just coming from the Bank of Canada. I don't know if it's coming from the World Economic Forum. Maybe the media companies are in on it. I have no idea. But I can't imagine at a time when interest rates have become so unaffordable. What is it they said? Rates are up like 30% or something like that? Or the average payment is up 30, 40, yes, 50%? Yes, something like that. It's insanity yeah. that they just expected people would be able to whip out an extra two grand a month on their mortgage. Mm -hmm. Completely insane. Mm -hmm. And when we've got record numbers of food bank visits and we've got record numbers of people surrendering their cats and dogs because they can't afford to feed their cats and dogs anymore. When all of this is happening, why is this not the front page story everywhere? We have a cost of living crisis right now. And it seems like the government is hell-bent on implementing their agenda. A lot of it I don't understand. I totally get we need more houses. Yes, yes, yes. Let's build more houses. But before we bring in the half a million new immigrants every year, maybe we should make sure we have those places in place now. Because one of the biggest problems that we've got is people that are just plain abandoning the rental unit that they were in. And it, it's mm -hmm. a rental. They can just walk away and maybe they get sued. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But the landlords want to raise the rates yeah. because they're losing money on yeah. their investment property. Regular homeowners are losing. We've got uh, foreclosures, I have to think, happening at a rate that is completely unprecedented. And I haven't seen a single story yet about here's what RBC is saying about foreclosures. And they had 20,000 homes foreclosed upon in the last year. And over at CIBC, it was another 5,000. They don't publish that, eh? But they, why? Do, do they? Oh, well, maybe that's something that needs to be looked at as a, like from a legal standpoint is they should be legally obliged to do some things. They should. So They've people got know. shareholders that own homes. I would think that this is relevant information. If we're going to let the banks and call the shots. And mortgages galore. They've got fucking so many mortgages. They make so much. They make a killing off of mortgages. Was one of the banks, I think it was RBC, made Those over $3 thieves. billion. Dollars. thieves. Go to the other banks. Don't do that. Don't be that person. Go find a mortgage broker and don't go with a big bank. These banks are squirreling away money because even the banks know that the foreclosures are only going to get worse. So what I can't figure out is, are they trying to provide cover because once it's just one of those things that's out in the open and it's on the six o'clock news every day for like 20 minutes, how many people are losing their homes, going homeless, that sort of thing, then the government looks bad. It looks horrible on the government because... Well, they're the ones who did all this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're trying to provide cover for that or if they're really just laughing in our faces saying, fuck them, we'll keep raising rates. And you know what else? If people lose their homes, fuck them, we'll sell it again. Right? Is this a massive effort to devalue the housing market? Because one of the things that I'm seeing a lot lately, and I did speak to a mortgage broker on the weekend, I had dinner with her, she's my sister-in-law, is there is a lot of people out there who will refinance, like you said, Kat, there's a lot of people who are getting locked into bad mortgages that'll be with them for the next five years, but this is what they have to do to make right. ends meet right now. Absolutely, I know. And that's a sucky decision to have to make too. And the prices are rebounding. We just don't have enough homes available so the prices are going back up. If they thought they could take all those houses that were up to like one and a half million in value and knock them down to 500,000, <laughs> maybe they, well, they only got half of that. And it only really lasted for less than a year because now the prices are going back up again. So now these people are walking away from homes that they can't afford. Nobody is talking about it. Nobody's covering it. And they're actually going for more. Houses that are being sold every day in the real estate market are going back up in price. There was hardly any dip. So if there was any, any 
thought that in doing this, they could cool the housing market, that backfired too. Another swing and a miss from the Bank of Canada. And I don't understand why people aren't outraged that we're letting these assholes just have carte blanche to be able to throw people out of their homes. It's crazy. But there's more to this. 13% of Canada's leading economists think the Bank of Canada should increase rates by a quarter point on Wednesday. That's not a lot of consensus. Only 13%. Yeah. If only 13% of our best e economic minds say raising interest rates is a good idea, then maybe we should listen to them. And by the way, the bank has basically told us we're not going to raise them on Wednesday, but we will have to in the summer because the economy is too hot. Jeez. That is such a lie. The economy is not hot. The middle class has no money right yeah, now. Yeah, who's the one spending? If the economy's hot, who's who's buying the things? Where is it hot? What? <laughs> Somebody show me where the economy show is it. hot. And I'm wondering too. Um, on the note about the the interest rates, uh, what about leases for you know businesses? And I think about them too. Yeah, I mean, I would think that any business that hasn't been affected will be right. A hundred. And then what does that affect? I mean, that impacts their bottom line. It, like that's not what we need to see, especially coming out of COVID. There's a lot of businesses that finally bounced back. I couldn't imagine if you were a business that did, and then boom. It's almost like whatever they were planning with COVID didn't work. So this was their latest hail mary, and it's crazy to me that this is being allowed to happen without so much as a peep from the prime minister or the finance minister. And the reason for that is pretty simple and it's politics and it's all the parties do it. We fucked up. They're going to clean up the mess and it's going to cause a whole bunch of hurt. But if we try and scold them for doing that, people are going to realize it was us that screwed it up in the first place. So we're just going to stay quiet. That's the way it seems to me yeah. because there's been nothing from the government, a simple common sense thing that they could have done, could have done at any point in the last year since interest rates started going wild was prevent the banks from charging you a penalty to cash out your mortgage. It's very simple. If you decide today, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to sell and I'm going to have to break my mortgage. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, not only are you going to take a loss on your real estate, they're going to charge you a penalty of like, what, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars yeah. $60,000. If I want to, maybe RBC is going to screw me here with this renewal. All right, well then fine. I I'm going to go over to Scotiabank. You have to pay a penalty to get out of your current mortgage yeah. to go to Scotiabank. And the simple thing that Christian Freeland and Justin Trudeau could have done was prevent the banks from charging a fee to switch or port or change your mortgage. If they would have just done that, even that would have been great. But no, yeah. on top of all the extra money the banks are making from interest rates, they're making it even more from people who have been forced into a situation where they have to make a move and then they got to pay this penalty. It's outrageous. And it's, like I said, nobody's talking about it. Yeah, it's odd. Um, I'm sh I'm certain that we're going to hear more. At, at, I wonder if when they do raise it in July, if let's say that does happen, is that going to be it? I bet you not. It's going to be buried in the summer. You know what I mean? And no one's really going to talk about it until we hit that point of a recession. And then some people are going to like, what are they going to claim? It's out of nowhere. Like we kind of are. Yeah, I don't know. It's such a mess. They say that the biggest uh, driver of this 3.1% increase to our economy last month was mainly due to consumer household spending. Get the hell out of here. That's just a lie. That's a lie. How many? I don't know what percentage of Canadians are wealthy, but the vast majority of us are middle class. 
and the vast majority of us don't have the money to be going out no. buying new washers and dryers and shit like that unless they're doing it on credit cards. But even at that, people are saving credit card room in case they can't afford groceries. Right, right. Or taking out lines of credit that they, they really didn't want to have to at rates that are pretty ridiculous. Information is being weaponized here. And it feels like we're not being told how bad it is. And that bugs me. Uh, opinion polls are also, they're supposed to tell you where things stand in the race, but they're also meant to influence you. There's new polls floating around that say Olivia Chow is going to win the mayor of Toronto race by a landslide. Wow. What? That just doesn't even seem believable. There's over 100 candidates, and you mean to tell me Olivia Chow has got 40% of the popular vote? Never in her life has she had that many votes. Never in her life. Hmm. Get out of here. Where did that come from? They got to stop with that because I feel like that sways people. But I, Can I just say shit like that does sway people? I feel like you shouldn't release things this early. Like I understand doing polls, even though I hate them. You know I hate them. I know we you hate them. Yep. Whatever. For the most part, we just like them because they're never really accurate. If you're going to do them, though, hold off a little bit because I feel like that alone, saying those words now, will re- some people don't pay attention to the actual races. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not really actually watching the debates and everything else, and they're just hearing that now and going, when it's time to vote, Oh, Olivia, apparently everybody likes Olivia Chow. Like, I just find it really irresponsible to do it this early. Well, they say things like that, and that does help build momentum. If you hear Olivia Chow's way in the lead. Oh, 100%. Her team fucking loves it right now. They love, love it. Love it. Yep, because that thing makes other people think, oh, well, if that many people like her, well, I guess I should like her exactly. too. Exactly. And they, you sw- people are swayed so easily. I think it would be a, a just an absolute disaster if we just don't say anything and she does carry on to a, a 30, 40% win because that's what the polls told people to do in the voting. And, and then Toronto's going to end up in a situation where they're fucking broke. She won't even say how much she's going to raise taxes, but we know she's going to raise your taxes after John Tory uh, just raised them. See, and I know nothing about the platforms yet because I'm that type of person, especially because I don't live in the city of Toronto. I do not have a vote in the city of Toronto, but I'm absolutely paying attention. Usually once it gets down to 10 to five, whatever it is, what's the, when is it, is it 10 first? It gets down to 10 or five or does it go right from like this to how many? Uh, the, the, the candidates, when do the candidates, like, how do the numbers work? Oh, so everybody's on the ballot. There'll be about a hundred of and them. And then literally you pick the mayor from that hundred. Yeah. See that. The ballot's like I four pages. Like, do people like that? No, there's too many. That's and, too many names. Like you got to dwindle it down a little bit. In a democracy though, this is how it works. Now, the best thing they could do is have a ranked ballot. And if you had a ranked ballot, you put in your first choice, second choice, third choice, and fourth choice. Well, 96% of those candidates are probably going to fall off after the first ballot. Then we've got something a little more clear. Hmm. Uh, ranked ballot. That was one of the electoral reforms that was proposed and promised that never got delivered. Oh, interesting. And now we're here in a situation where, and this is municipal, not federal, but nonetheless, same concept. <laughs> That's seriously, though, it's a two-pager. You're going to go into the voting booth there like... <laughs> Like fucking sifting through papers. I actually looked at a few proofs for the ballot, and there's 25 names on each page. How do they? They're gonna have so many screw ups. How do they have like readers? Is it physically you have to go there, right? Or are we on online now? No, no, you got to go and vote. Still got to go and vote. Fucking because this is not like the 21st century or anywhere close. We're not even. We're not even close. So you go and you X the little thing. How big is the font? Like I feel like I feel like you're gonna register. Like they're gonna have to do like a recount because there's so many fucking names and the squares are probably gonna be tiny as shit. Twelve points, Ariel. Here you go. <laughs> I don't know. That just seems weird to me. Anyway, it just seems to me like information is being used against us and and they're not telling us anything they don't want us to know. But it definitely seems like the higher ups, the people that are making these decisions 
are cherry picking little things here and there that they like and using it to fit the narrative. And and the fact that I, I don't see the lead story on the news every night about how many more people are accessing a food bank. We don't see that. You know, it's just the regular run of the mill shit. Like everything is totally normal and it's not normal. People are selling their shit on Facebook to buy groceries. That's not normal. No, it's not. And and nobody is talking about it. And we're getting a bunch of bullshit information dropped on us. And it's very, very frustrating. Mm. By the way, for what it's worth, 87% of Canada's leading economists think there's going to be a drop in housing prices in 2023. Maybe there will if the whole thing goes tits up. Yeah. But unless something dramatic happens, there's still people out there with money that are going to buy houses, whether they can afford them or not. They need a home to live in and they'll just do it now and deal with the consequences later. Well, we're broke. The middle class is broke in yeah, this country. It's not good. Oh, and then July 1st, the next evolution of the carbon tax kicks in. I don't know because I personally have not seen the numbers. Some are claiming it's going to take gas over $2 a liter on day one. Oh, ouch. Like a 40 to 60 cent increase. Oh. Remember the last, when was the, when was the last, what was the last time it was the highest that you remember? Like the, uh, I'm thinking back to last fall. Yeah. Last fall. It was pretty bad at one point. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Middle class can't afford it. If we have a broke middle class, nothing's going to happen. And trying to tell us that consumer household spending is fueling the Canadian economy's massive, massive growth. It's not even believable guys. If you're going to lie to us, make it believable. Tell us that the, the increase is in. I don't know, fucking exports of grain to Taiwan or something like that. Something that people can't fact check. Reality is, we all have friends, we all have social media, we all talk to each other. We know that that's just not true. And and if that's the cover they're going to use to try and keep raising rates, somebody's got to force some honesty here. And I, I really feel that way because there's so many people struggling and God damn it, it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm there with you. Got to go, everybody. But it's Monday, so we will leave you today with a replay of Missed Connections. Missed Connections. Missed Connections on the Scott and Cat Show. Hi there, everybody. It is time to try and reconnect people who have had an encounter in the past. One is looking for the other. They've told that story online about the encounter they had originally. Will they find each other? Let's find out. Oh, Scott, this one's, this one's pretty crazy. It's called You Called Me. You called my house and accused my wife of sleeping with somebody else. <clears throat> this had to have been three or four months ago, and I've not been able to forget that call. You said you knew someone who knew me and tracked down my phone, since I'm not on the Facebook and stuff. You said you were a legal assistant and that she was doing it with the lawyer you worked for. You didn't name names because I ignored you. I think at the time I just said, yeah, okay, and hung up. But now I have more questions. Maybe I just didn't want to see it. But I found a law office letterhead. Mysterious handwriting. And I need to know if this is the guy before I go confront him. Oh, no. If you can find it in your heart to call me back, the number you called me at was blocked. Please reach out. Okay. Whoa. So let, let me see if I can just figure out what's going Whoa. on here. This guy just randomly in the middle of the day gets a phone call from somebody a few months ago that says, hey, just so you know, your wife is having an affair with a lawyer or someone who works in a law office. He blew it off, but now he saw some letterhead and he's thinking, wait a oh, minute. wait a second here. That's not our lawyer. Who's this? 
And he wants to know so he can go and confront that lawyer. Did he think to confront his wife? Ah, that's a good question. I, I was I just, wondering that too. I, I, and I, maybe he doesn't <laughs> want to be like that person that accuses her when, when that was a weird call. Like, do people make prank calls like that? Do adults make prank calls like that? What kind of a prank is that? <laughs> yeah, your wife's having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, so you think there's, so you're saying you think there's legitimacy to this. You I, think that this is happening. Right. What I'm wondering is, if the woman who made the call to this guy is in some way or was in some way connected to the lawyer. Well, she, he, uh, she, I'm assuming it's a woman, I guess. She's, it's a legal assistant. Yes. Okay. So there we go. So they work together. But is this a jealousy thing or just a, this is unprofessional, you having an affair with a client? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I want and more And why would you, I mean, it's interesting to kind of insert yourself into that, right? It's one thing to be like, oh no, you know what's happening, but you don't know the people. Not only does this person not know the people involved, aside from the lawyer, but decides to track down the number of the guy and call him. How did she even find, I guess she, well, I don't know. I'm confused. She knows someone who knows him. That's interesting. Yes, it is. And it, the letterhead, I'm saying that you just park outside that office for a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> Play a little detective work? Uh, is that a good idea? It seems like there's a couple people playing detective already. So this guy might as well get in on it too. Or just, again, just ask it. Just talk to your wife. Hey, got a weird phone call. Said hey. you're having an affair with a lawyer. What's look, going on? Letterhead. What is all this, what's all this about? Right. You're talking basic communication. Basic communication. Okay, good, good. This is called I Was At The Art Show. I thought the art show was so boring until I saw you. You're an older, hot executive type, looking good. You're black, tall, with salt and pepper hair. You look like Sterling K. Brown in the face with a Terry Crews body. <laughs> Weird way to describe somebody. <laughs> what? And now all I'm picturing is Sterling K. Brown's face with a Terry Crews body. <laughs> like exact measurements? Okay. It was yum, yum. Kind of want to dip you in sauce. Oh, no. I don't know what that... Can we stop doing those things? I followed you around a bit, trying to get a feel for what you're all about. I was pretty incognito until I tripped on a stupid bench and spilled tea on a sculpture. I tried to blame it on a kid near me. Then the mom told me off and called me a dummy. Said I was so dumb it would take me an hour to make one minute rice. <laughs> She was so rude, but you were so hot. You tried to blame her kid for ruining a piece of art. <laughs> Why did you I don't have, blame her for being mad. Why did you have tea at an art? Why are you walking around with tea? Do they walk around with tea at art shows? I haven't been to many, so I couldn't tell you. Maybe they do. I've seen wine. I've never seen somebody walking around with a cup of hot tea, though. That That's different. I didn't get a chance to say much else before a rent-a-cop escorted me out. Let's hang? I'm going to guess she was a little intoxicated. Maybe there was something more than tea. <laughs> By tea, you mean vodka? <laughs> it's a weird thing to instinctively want to blame a child for your mishap. Yeah, your kid did it. There are kids running around in here. All these kids when I'm trying to pick up Terry Crews over there. <laughs> Looking at some art. Now he thinks I'm a klutz. <laughs> This guy's not interested, sweetie. She's, no, definitely he's, not. He's, he's not going to reach back I'm, out. Oh, you're the one who spilled the tea all over the art at the art show. I'm not even a fan of really assuming someone's out of someone else's league, but I'm going to go ahead and assume <laughs> this guy's definitely out of your league. There's not a lot in your league. Not a lot. Not a lot to choose from. Sorry to tell you. And those are your missed connections.